Uh, glad you're here this morning. Welcome. Um, here's what we're going to try to do. Last week was our first week in uh, our new interim facility. I told a friend of mine, I, I skillfully, after 23 years, got us back into a gymnasium. So uh, not everybody can do that. Um, we, we are connecting right now the idea of rather than jumping into a series and just that's how we normally teach. We just felt like the Holy Spirit wanted us to wait on him right now. And we know that we have some new people joining us. We know we have people that are like, you know, new digs and trying to figure out what's it going to be like in here and feel comfortable. So we just felt like the Holy Spirit uh, for right now, for just a few weeks, is giving us messages that are just like pertaining to this moment in time and what we're doing right this second. So last week, if you were here, I taught a message just called The Hallway. And the premise of it was that there are times in life, and it happens often, the Bible is full of this, that we will leave a place that we were. It might have been a good place. It might have been a bad place. That's irrelevant. But we leave the place that we, we were. We're moving into the place that we want to go. But sometimes we can't just go from here to here. There's a hallway in between. And in that hallway uh, is God moving in our lives if we allow that or we can fight God during that time right there. And so it, it somehow the Lord used that in a way that... Um, it, it was able to minister to a lot of people last week, and that's always, I said in the last service, I never want people just to go, oh, that was a nice message, that was a good message. I want people to be able to say, I heard from God uh, when we speak. That's what we're looking for. So, felt like the Lord said that he wasn't done with that as a whole, and to spend one more week talking about it. So, I'm going to develop it a little bit more, and we're going to talk about tapestries today. But let me just say this real quickly to you. Um, like, we don't use tapestries a whole lot anymore. I'm sure that some of you have tapestries, but we went looking this week to try to find tapestries. They're very difficult to find, right? If, well, let me say, finding a nice-looking tapestry is very difficult to find. So we were searching throughout the church. Let me just say, some of you have some tapestries, but they're not very nice-looking, to be honest with you. So <laughs> we're searching all over and, like... We can't use that. Kathy Melson brought up, remember the dogs playing poker? Seemed like some people had that tap. That won't work for what we were trying to, to do. I was looking for like a, a classy uh, one. I know some of you are like, hey, that's the centerpiece of our house. I'm not talking about you. So um, we, we were looking for a tapestry, and my point on the tapestry is that in our lives, like our, our life would represent that single thread and that God is using that to bring the whole thing together to make this beautiful tapestry. But our, our issue is that we often, because of time and perspective and that we're going through it, we often can't figure out what is God doing in my life right now. It just doesn't make any sense. It just seems like he could never use this. And that just simply is not true. So that's where I'm going to start. Uh, if you look at Romans chapter 8. Verse 28, it's one of my favorite scriptures. I think like if you were going to find a scripture to memorize or a scripture that you should pray every day, that you should speak over yourself, over your family, uh, over your business, over just over what you're doing, I think this scripture kind of encompasses how I believe God is acting in our lives. And look at this. It says, we know that in what? All things. All things. So does that mean good and bad things? Does that mean like things that are fun and things that are not fun? Does that mean when things are going our way and even when we get reports where things are, when we have reverses in life? Real quick, how many of you have ever had a reverse in life? 
If you didn't raise your hand, you're just so stunned by your reverse, you can't get it up in the, one more time. Have you ever had a reverse in life? We all have. How do you explain that? If God is working right in all things, in our mind, we mean good things. But God says all things, and that means things that aren't fun and things that are difficult and things that aren't going our way. And so to finish it, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. I'm pretty sure that this is a room full of people who love God. So that means automatically that God is working in your life in all things. So as we're putting the message together this week and we're looking at what we taught last week with that hallway, um, I, I'm visual. I learn best looking at things and trying to put things in ways that I can, like it makes it portable for me. Uh, carrying around, uh, you know, ideas are good, but I need things that are simple. Anybody else a simple person? I, that really puts a lot of... Yeah, that doesn't sound so good all of a sudden when I said it. Yeah. All right. So I found a formula, and it's, it's a good formula, but it's an incomplete formula, and I'll explain it. This, in my mind, is that Romans 8.28. So it says that in all things, God is working for our good, for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so my little formula would be the way that we can know that God is working for good in our life, it takes time because sometimes when you're in that place, you can't see God working. So it takes a little bit of time. Do you agree? You need time. And then you need faith. It takes faith to believe that what God is doing is it's like this. I've used this so many times. When you can't see his hand, you have to trust his heart. That's faith, right? You still have to believe that God is good even when it doesn't feel like it. And then you times that by perspective. And perspective is that rare thing that if you live long enough, you should gain perspective to see that God was working for good in your life, right? You add that time plus faith times perspective, and that's where you get all things. Here's the problem with that right there. That's like addition and subtraction. And this is what I felt like the Lord spoke to me this week. John, I am not just addition and subtraction. I am moving in quantum mechanics in your life. Anybody in here even know what that is? Some of you are like, the moment I see those words, I turn the page because I don't want to know what that is. That, that goes. So I'm going to give you a definition of quantum mechanics. Listen to this. Try not to let your mind go off into quantum mechanics. The branch of mechanics that deals with the mathematical description of the motion and interaction of subatomic particles. So I'm so simple that I think it's time plus faith times perspective gives all things. And God is moving at the subatomic level all the time in everything to bring about good in our lives. Yes or no? Dude, he is just so much smarter than we are, so much faster than we are. He sees the whole picture. He sees it from beginning to end. He knows exactly what he's doing. He loves to specialize in taking what the enemy means for harm and evil in your life and turning it around to squish the devil and make good things happen in your life. And our problem is we see that and we, we only see our place in it, our moment, our time in it. And we can't figure out what God is doing. So we begin then to confess what the liar is telling us. It's messed up. It's jacked up. God's not being faithful. God's not moving on. He may do it for other people, but he's not doing it for you. And you're stuck over here looking for this plus this times this will equal this. And God's moving at the atomic level in your life and doing it in everything. And having to faith to believe that God is doing that is so important. Um, the tapestry. So you heard that ooh? Here's, if you show a tapestry and people go, oh. 
That's the dogs playing poker, right? That's what you want is the ooh, and that's why it took us so long to find a beautiful tapestry. So we put this tapestry together to use an illustration, and just real quickly, how many of you have ever seen the back of a tapestry? Do you know what it looks like? I would show you, but the back of a tapestry is so ugly that the people who lent this to me have covered it up so that you can't see the back of a tapestry. On the back of the tapestry, what you have are all the threads and all the knots and all the loose hanging things, and it doesn't look very good from behind it. You have to see it from in front to understand that it's beautiful. And real quickly, I felt like the Lord said this to me last night, our perspective only lets us see the back of the tapestry, while God is always, Mark, he's always looking at the front of the tapestry. And your perspective, eventually, you will see what God's been doing in your life. You'll see how beautiful it is. And by the way, what is he doing this for? Because in heaven, he will display that tapestry. You are his handiwork put on display so that people will know that God is good. That's what's going on. But you, in your perspective, you get stuck looking at space and time of a single thread, and you can't see this. And by faith, you've got to remember that God is working for your good. He's doing beautiful things in your life. Uh, let me show you Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This, I love this scripture. He has made everything what? In its... Sometimes it takes time for it to become beautiful. He has also said eternity in the human heart, and yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end because we love multiplication and subtraction, and God is moving in quantum mechanics. It's hard to fathom all that God is doing. Okay, I'm going to use threads today. It's a story that I told a long time ago, but I'm going to weave it into a bigger picture for you today and kind of be broad and then make it personal. So this story is going to go back. We're going to start this one in 1858. 1858. In the city of Boston, a man named Edward Kimball was a young Sunday school teacher who made it a habit to personally give each student in his class the opportunity to accept Christ as Savior. He was concerned about one of his students who worked in a shoe store. One day, Mr. Kimball visited the young man at the store where he found him in the back stocking shelves, and he led him to Christ. The student's name was Dwight L. Moody. Ever heard of him? Yes. Moody Bible Institute, D.L. Moody. In the 20th century, one of the great evangelists, 19th and 20th century, one of the great evangelists that changed so much for so many people. That student was D.L. Moody, who eventually left the shoe business to become one of the greatest evangelists of all time. Moody became an international speaker and toured the British Isles. He preached in a little chapel pastored by a young man named Frederick Meyer. In his sermon, he told the story of his Sunday school teacher. The message changed Pastor Meyer's ministry, inspiring him to become an evangelist like D.L. Moody. Meyer eventually preached in America in Northfield, Massachusetts, where a young preacher heard him say these words. Listen to this. If you are not willing to give up everything for Christ... Are you willing to be made willing? Often we think it's an all-or-nothing proposition, and ultimately it is an all-or-nothing proposition, but we're not always there at the time because we can't see everything that God is doing. So can you be willing to be made willing? Are you willing to open yourself up at least that much and say, God, if you are doing something, if you want to do something, if you can use me, at least make me willing? Are you waving at me? 
I'm waving back at you now. It's my friend Ben over there. The remark led J. Wilbur Chapman to respond to God's call on his life. Wilbur Chapman went on to become an effective evangelist. He enlisted the help of a volunteer named Billy Sunday, who helped him set up his crusades. Billy Sunday learned how to preach by watching Chapman and eventually took over Chapman's ministry, becoming a dynamic evangelist. Billy Sunday's preaching brought thousands of people to Christ. Inspired by a Billy Sunday crusade in Charlotte, North Carolina, a group of Christian men dedicated themselves to reaching their city for Christ. They invited an evangelist named Mordecai Ham to come and hold a series of evangelistic meetings. The year was 1932. A local farmer loaded his pickup truck with neighbors and their kids and brought them to the meetings. One was a 16-year-old boy who sat in the crowd each night spellbound by the message. Each evening, the preacher seemed to be shouting and waving his finger at the young man. Night after night, the teenager came, and finally on the last night, he went forward and gave his life to Christ. That teenager was Billy Graham. Billy Graham has communicated the gospel to more people than any other person in history. You probably know someone who was led to Christ through his ministry, and you might think, I don't know anybody. You're wrong. Because in 1954 at the old Pelican Stadium in New Orleans, Louisiana, a young lady went with her dad. And when Billy Graham gave the altar call at the end of the meeting, my mom got up and walked down to the front and gave her heart to Jesus. It was my mom who told me about Jesus. It was my mom who prayed those prayers for me. It was my mom who made sure that I heard the gospel. And you might think that this thread, that just this one little thread that I'm pointing to, like, Pastor, could it really make that much of a difference? Every one of you is getting to hear this message today because some guy in 1858 was willing to see that God could weave a tapestry with his life. And now I stand up here touching you, and then here's my question. What is God doing with this at a quantum mechanic level? So, so wonderfully huge that he's going to move out of this meeting and it's going to bring thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people will know Jesus because of this moment in time that we have right here. And we're always thinking, I just can't see it, Pastor. All I see is the back of the tapestry. There's knots in it and it's messy and it's ugly and I just don't even know if it's worth going forward. And you've got the wrong perspective, friend. The enemy of your soul constantly is trying to encourage you to reject what God is doing, to lose your faith, and to give up in space and time because God works on behalf of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? It means to cooperate with God, to recognize in space and time, even when you can't see his hand, trust his heart. He's moving for good in your life today. He's doing things for you today. Do you have the faith to believe that still? And will you surrender where you are? And if you can't, are you willing to be made willing to surrender? Are you willing to be made willing? Those threads, those stories, it's, it's a cool story. It takes a bigger picture and brings it down to a narrow. So let me take you on one more journey. Sort of my thread picking up in a younger part of my life. Chris and I were married in 83. And a little bit later, three years later in 86, we both were willing to be made willing. We knew that we had a call in our life, but by that time we had Amy and we had Brent and we were young parents 
in a young career, just trying to make ends meet. Man, we couldn't see, talk about a tapestry. All I could see was how are we going to get to this weekend? How are we going to feed these children? How are we going to make it? And a bigger picture was just so hard to see because of how busy we were and how far down we were. But we were willing to be made willing. And I went to Pastor Terry, our Pastor Terry. In 1986, he had hair. He was thin. He's not here today, so I'm going to say a few things about (laughs) Pastor Terry. Good-looking guy. I went to Pastor Terry, and I just said, Terry, I don't know how, but I know I related to him that when I was 15 years old, God had spoken to me and called me to ministry. And I said, Terry, I feel so far from that. I don't even know how to get there. It's like it's too late for me. You ever thought that? Like if I'd have started earlier, here's what we think. If God could have gotten me when I was 17 or 18. But God specializes in people who are in their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s. Even in their 70s. I don't know about the 80s. I'm just kidding. (laughs) God will take you where you are when you are. He wants you just to be willing. And so I went to Terry and I just simply said, Terry, I don't know how but I feel like we're supposed to be in ministry and I can't close that gap. I can't leave to go to Bible college right now. I don't know how to make this happen, but here I am. And Terry, in his great pastoral wisdom, said, well, let's make sure that you're really called. So he took me down a hallway, he opened a door, and there were about 15 junior hires. He pushed me in and closed the door. And he said, if you survive this, we'll know that you are called. And a lot of people don't like junior hires. A lot of parents don't like their junior hires. But I loved them, man. They just swarmed me and I swarmed back to them and gosh, we just hit it off and I love them. In our church today are three kids who were junior hires in 1986 who are serving Jesus, loving him, married families. They've got their kids now serving Jesus. One just became a grandparent. And I get to see this continuate. No idea how that would ever take place. Terry tore his Achilles tendon. God can use good things or all things. How in the world could he use a torn Achilles tendon to do good? Terry came to me and said, John, I'm getting ready to take a trip with a bunch of senior, high school seniors, to take them back and show them some Christian colleges and I can't drive, would you be willing to drive? I was willing to be made willing. I'll do it. So we drive into Missouri, we drive into Texas, and we end up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is where Jimmy Swaggart Bible College was. And I know that that name today has got so much negative connected to it, but if I could take you back in space and time, it was holy ground. God used him in a tremendous way. It was the number one missions-giving organization. Over $100 million that year had gone into missions. They were the second largest employer in the state of Louisiana. The only bigger employer was government. Imagine that. So we end up in this place. Just so happens to be a Wednesday night. And Terry said, John, I want to show you something. So we went to their youth meeting on a Wednesday night. The youth pastor's name was Glenn Berto. And I walked into a room... 1,500 teenagers, and they were radical for Jesus. The worship, I had never in my life experienced worship that intense, and it was all led by teenagers. 
They were on their face. They were dancing. They were so excited. And I was, any adult walked in the room was instantly caught up in it. You weren't like this. You were like this. And I found myself caught up in it, and I just had the best time of my life. And I had a chance to meet the youth pastor afterwards, and I told him, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. He said, you should move here. It's too late. <laughs> I have two kids. I have a wife back in Denver. And I'm actually just driving a van on a trip. I went home that night. And the Lord actually spoke to me. And said, you need to go here. Like, how am I going to tell my wife this? <laughs> I called her up that night from the hotel. It was late. A couple hour time difference that direction. And I said, I got something to tell you. And she said, we're moving. You know what I love about my wife? If she knows it's God, she's all in. She's all in. We literally moved to Baton Rouge. God uses all things. The week we go to Baton Rouge, Jimmy Swaggart stands up and confesses the moral failure. And the ministry imploded. And I know I heard from God to move there. But in space and time, it looked like an epic fail. I had to go to my father-in-law and ask for a thousand, I was short a thousand dollars to make it happen. And I had to ask him, can you loan me a thousand dollars to get to Baton Rouge? He's like, John, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to follow God. To his credit, my father-in-law didn't go, John, what have you done? He called up and said, hey, it's all going to be good. You need people like that in your life. People who believe in you even when you're having trouble believing in you. The youth pastor, Jimmy Swigert, decided he didn't want any kind of correction or discipline. Through that, and it was a tremendously ugly moral failure. So he just said, I'm going to do my own thing and I'm throwing all the authority off of my life. And I don't think that's how things are supposed to be. I think we've got to have authority in our life. And I think when we blow it, we need to repent and go through the process to be restored. Do you agree with that? I think there's forgiveness, but I don't think we can just push people out and say, hey, I'm doing my own thing and you don't have the right to tell me. We should submit to each other. And we should seek correction. And he was unwilling to do that. So the youth pastor, that guy that had all those teenagers, decided he was going to start a church. And Chris and I didn't go there for that. We went there for Bible college. I'm working a full-time job. I'm going to Bible college and now I'm starting a church. And it gave me the greatest heart for church planting. God uses all things to weave this tapestry that at the time looked like a failure. Do you ever feel like you're failing? And the enemy convinces you that there's no way for this thing to be good. There's no way that God can use this. You're off track. If you could only go back in time, if you could only take a right instead of a left, if you could only back up instead of being pushed forward, if only you hadn't committed yourself in those financial things, if only you had made the relationship work out different, if only, if only, stop. My God uses all things. Not just the things that look like they make sense, but the things that don't make any sense. My God specializes in taking what the enemy is trying to do to destroy you and using it to do good in your life and crush the enemy at the same time. That's my God. That's my God. So we go through the process. We learn how to plant a church. God does a great thing there. And at the end of that time, 
I said to him, Glenn, I, I can't keep doing it like this. I need to find a position now. And I told the story last week about being in Lakeland, Florida. My first full-time position was in Lakeland, Florida. Lakeland, Florida. You guys know where Lakeland is. The only reason you know where Lakeland is is because I'm telling you where Lakeland is <laughs> right now. Right in between Tampa and Orlando on Interstate 4 is this little town, Lakeland, Florida. And there's a big Bible college there that was part of the denomination that we were connected to. But my first full-time position was there in Lakeland. And it was a bad mismatch between me and the pastor. Couldn't tell it on the front end, but it became abundantly clear in the middle of it. And God uses... Let's do it together. God uses... Now, at the time, I thought I made the worst mistake, but God was moving really powerfully during that time. And I met three individuals that became disciples that I was able to disciple. One was John Bailey, and if you've been at our church, you know John, one of our missionaries we support. He has a great church now in Florida, and he's touched tens of thousands of people. The other one was Glenn Lee, and if you've been around, Glenn has a great church in North Carolina and spoke here many times. And the other one was Bill Vaccaro, who I hadn't seen Bill for months and months and months, and he ended up in the first service sitting right back there. Several people came and said, did you invite him so that when you're teaching this message, he heard it? I said, not at all. God planned for him to hear the message. Bill is being drawn back to God right now, and God was weaving a tapestry in his life. My ministry there lasted one year to the day. That doesn't sound too successful, does it? And I thought we had blown it. We went from there to Lexington, Kentucky. We were in Lexington for three and a half years, and we love Lexington. And probably as a youth pastor, it was the best time for our ministry. It grew radically, but the church was super dysfunctional. And three and a half years into our ministry, at a business meeting, they voted on the spot to fire the pastor. He couldn't even go and clear his stuff out of his office, and everything we worked to build was suddenly taken away. But do you know what happened in Lexington? Because God uses all things. A young kid, my nephew, came to visit that summer, and Jake Wood gave his life and his heart to Jesus and surrendered to the call of God on his life. And that was Pastor Jake you saw standing up here a few minutes. What a teaching gift Pastor Jake has on his life. And what a gift that couple is to this church. Kim is down right now directing all that happens with your children downstairs. She is a dynamo. It looked like a terrible situation, yet out of that, how many people? One of the board members of the church, his name was Eb Jacobson, when the church imploded like that we had to go someplace else we actually considered getting out of ministry because I thought I don't want every few years to have everything taken away from me so maybe I need I actually considered going back you ever thought about going back there's the hallway you've left that place and there is no going back but you're not in the place that you want to be you're stuck in that hallway and can God move in the hallway Sometimes God moves more in the hallway than he does when everything has finally come together in your life. In fact, what makes the whole thing come together is that you went through the process of the hallway with God. And then he doesn't just do one hallway. He has hallways. So there was a board member, his name was Eb Jacobson, and he said, my sister and her husband pastor a church in Fort Collins, Loveland. And he said, I think you'd be a good fit there. And that was Resurrection Fellowship, the church that Chris and I came from when we planted Jubilee. We were in Loveland. Man, the things that happened there, Jonathan Murley 
had just graduated high school. And the summer that I came in, we connected, and man, we were like metal and magnet together. What a good friend Jonathan is, Rebecca. I met her right after that. Jonathan began to date her, and they were at ORU, and oh my goodness. He and I said to each other 30 years ago, someday I'll be a senior pastor, and someday you'll be my missions pastor. Dreams come true. Dreams come true. David and Kathy Melson. Dave was the business administrator there. And somehow, I don't know what that was, but like, boom. And this relationship, just wow. And for 30 years, what a friendship, what an encouragement, what a couple. Good friends of ours. Made such a difference in my life then and now in our church. And we end up out of that with God speaking to us to come to Denver, plan a church. And so many times in this process, I thought, oh God, we made such a mistake. God, it's not going good. God, I've failed. God, why did I do this? God, I wish I could go back. But you've left that place and you can't go back. And yet it's not what you want it to be. And you're in that hallway. And God uses, so look at me. I'm trying to speak something to you that in space and time you just can't tell that God is weaving this tapestry in your life. Because if you'd have looked at all of those different places in space and time, you would have said, man, it's, it's not connected. It's not happening. It, it doesn't look like God's using it. And yet, here's what you have. Time, faith, and perspective brings together all things. But God is moving at the quantum mechanical level where it's not just your thread, but he's pulling all of these threads together. So I want to say... What could God be doing right in this moment? What are you hearing right now that if you'll surrender to Jesus or at least be willing to surrender to Jesus, God can weave a greater tapestry in your life. It's not too late for you. It's not too early for you. You're not too far away. You're not too far gone. You're not too, too married. You're not too many children. You're not, <laughs> you're not stuck someplace in life. God is looking for you to recognize he's moving at that molecular level he can take all of it especially what the enemy is trying to kill you with God can use today to kill him and make you go forward and prosper that's the truth so I take this idea this week and I'm just sharing it with our teaching team and our staff and I'm asking for feedback from them Tell me your story. Tell me your tapestry. Tell me your thread. Tell me where it looked like it wasn't coming together, and yet God took it and turned it. Everybody was sharing. It's because everybody's got a story. And Kathy Melson had this illustration that I thought was really good. And At first, I was just going to relate the illustration, but I thought, you know, the one who gets their illustration tells the story better. So I asked her if she'd take a couple of minutes and just share this really cool illustration on how God moves in our life and how we have to have the right perspective to see it. So would you welcome Kathy up here real quick. Good morning. <clears throat> I know, right? Um, of all days to wake up without a voice. It was today. But, I, but you're going to listen, right? you got to lean in and listen. Because this is top top voice for me right now so I'll tell you about my one of my hallways 
aren't you glad that when you surrender to Jesus and you know maybe with all your heart maybe without if you really believe he's so good to keep you on the right track he's so good to put you where you need to be when you need to be there whether it's good bad or ugly but he always has the victory he always has the last word and it ends up good so our story was soon after we got married in 1986 David and I really felt a call to ministry. Ministry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and I'm going to say this. I really feel like this story, I know it could be just for one person in this room, but I really feel like this is almost like a word from the Lord for you. So listen. We were called to ministry. We went and did our school. We went through all the hoops that you have to jump through. In order to go full-time in this particular ministry, it was called Maranatha Campus Ministries. And if you Google it, you won't find it because it's not around anymore. But in, we did that. And we got through with the school. And then you're supposed to go on a three-month three three internship. They sent us to Los Angeles, California. Which if you're not a native Californian and you're not called to California, it is a really difficult place to live at especially when you have no money, which we didn't at the time. We ended up being there for four years. Exactly. And I, I say we didn't really live there. We did time there uh, because that's how I felt about Los Angeles. I mean, it's a great place to visit. There's Disneyland, but you wouldn't want to live there. So anyway, <laughs> we, were, we were in L.A. And 1990 rolled around, and... God, literally the hand of God, shut down Maranatha Campus Ministries. And we're like, okay, Lord, what next? You know, we poured our life into this. We gave everything to this cause. We felt called to do this, and it was gone. Well, a good friend of ours, but was a part of the ministry as well, really felt called to come to Fort Collins because he was going to start a church on the campus of CSU. And it was one of David's best friends at the time. And David came out here and looked at it. I didn't go because we couldn't afford for both of us to come out here. So he comes out and looks at it. And he's like, Kathy, I think we're supposed to go there. And I'm like, hallelujah, get me out of L.A. I'll go anywhere. Like, yes. So we loaded up the truck. No job. No place to live. And we came to, came to Fort Collins. And so excited to be here. Didn't know what God had for us really as far as along in employment. Um, and we, we, the church started just as a Bible study that men in, met in their homes. So we started doing that. David found a job. He, <laughs> it was the worst job he's ever had, right? He gets this job where he's doing insurance audits. And his territory was western Nebraska. Ooh, pretty, pretty part of the country. Western Nebraska and eastern Colorado. And his very first assignment that they sent him on was a Valentine, Nebraska. Now realize, I'm at home with two little boys and we had one car. So I was on home with two little boys. No place to go, no place, you know, nowhere to get. How, no, anyway, bad. it was, it was, we were struggling. People call it poor. We was po, okay? If you're from the south, you call it po. Anyway, and I had to get a job too. Well, three months into this whole process, 
our friends that are starting the church, right, come to us and say, uh, we got to tell you guys something. Um, you know that big church that we've kind of been attending now and then called Resurrection Fellowship? Well, Pastor John Stocker just called us and he wants to hire us to be the singles pastor. Okay, great, good for you. So happy for you. But meanwhile, we're going, well, God, what are we, chop liver? You know, you sent us out. What would you do, send us to Colorado to die? And kind of he did, you know, a little bit spiritually, you know, dying to ourselves, all that kind of thing. And one morning, this is my testimony, really the main meat of it, and the encounter that I had with God. And it was one of those times with the Lord where it wasn't the audible voice of God, but it was strong, and it was strong in my spirit, and I know it was the voice of the Lord. I was having a pity party that morning, and where I did my quiet time was I just sat on my bed, and I would journal. I would read my Bible, and I would journal. And at that time, I was, for whatever reason, journaling on, you know, loose leaf paper that went into a three ring binder and so I had this paper in front of me and I'm complaining to the Lord God what are you doing why are we here this is so hard and we'd come out of four years of hard in LA and I was like I just thought Colorado was gonna be awesome but it's not being awesome right now and I heard the voice of the Lord tell me you see that blank piece of paper that's in front of you and I'm like yes sir he said I want you to do something said, I want you to take that piece of paper and I want you to tear a thin strip off of the left side and put it to your left. And then I want you to tear a thin strip off of the right side, put it to your right, and then there's a big chunk in the middle. And the way I was situated in the house was I was facing south. So directionally, left would have been the east, right would have been the west. And in my mind at the time, I'm thinking, God, you know, it's just not happening here. So David had been working at a law firm in downtown L.A., and they really hated to see him go. And I thought, we could just go back to L.A., and we could go back to the church we were at. Things would be hunky-dory, even though I hated L.A. That's how desperate I was. I was willing to go back to L.A. But then he had family, and his family were a wonderful Christian family. They lived in Athens, in Georgia, we could go to Georgia because everybody's saved in Georgia, right? It'll be like heaven on earth if we go to Georgia. That'll be amazing. <laughs> right. So I was looking at these pieces of paper, and the Lord said, do you see that paper on the left? I'm like, mm-hmm. He goes, all right. You could go to Georgia. That's what I would have for you in Georgia. It'd be this little thing. I would still love you. You would still be my child. And I'd make sure you were in my will, but I wouldn't have a whole lot for you in Georgia. And I'm like, okay. And by this time, I'm like, I know where he's headed with this, right? He said, see that piece of paper over on your right? And I was like, mm-hmm. That's what I would have for you in L.A. I would still love you. You would still be my child. And I would make sure that you would be in my will, but I wouldn't have a whole lot for you there. It was just this little thin, thin strip. And then he said, you see that big blank piece of paper in the middle? And I'm like, yes, Lord, I do. He said, that's what I have for you in Colorado. It's big. You have, there's nothing written on it. You don't know what's coming. But if you just listen and you will stay, that's what I have for you in Colorado. And something lifted off of me. 
the discouragement, the questioning, all that stuff. Now, did it turn hunky-dory overnight? No, it didn't. We still had to wait a little bit of time. And I can't remember looking back on that. It was no more than a month later, maybe only two weeks, because I said David was in western Nebraska and eastern Colorado. For whatever reason, one day he was home. And it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and we had a knock on the door, and it was our friend that had gotten hired at Res. And he goes, I need your resume. And we were like, okay, why? He goes, because the finance pastor, the business administrator that had been at Res forever, like forever, was never going to leave. He was a staple. He helped build that building. I mean, he was one of Pastor John's right-hand men, resigned out of the blue. They didn't see it coming. He said, I want your resume, and I want to get it there. And so we went through the interview process. The rest is history. We got hired. But God was so good to take us from the wilderness, really, and the bad hallway. Like, it was bad. I mean, and he, he protected us. He was faithful to us. And he put us where we need to go. And we have been so blessed. I'm standing here so thankful to God that he has given us. <laughs> That he has given us the honor and the privilege of being able to serve at two of, in my opinion, the best churches in Colorado ever. At Resurrection Fellowship and now at Jubilee. Hang in there, man. God's got something amazing for you. If you're in that season, don't give up. Don't give in. God is so, so good. Yeah. Thank you, Kathy. So I'm going to close it with this. Maybe the first scripture that I ever memorized, the first one that I was ever taught, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Maybe you know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he promises to direct your path. To literally have to decide right now that you're going to trust the Lord with your whole heart. Can you do that? And if you can't, are you willing to be made willing? Can you believe that in your situation right now, that God's not done, that God's weaving and he's moving, that he's working on your behalf at a quantum mechanic level, the things that you can't see, God is weaving together for your good, to do good on your behalf, and that he can use everything. He can use your failure. He can use your success. He can use your doubt. He can use your belief. He can use your mom. He can use your friends. I didn't say this in the last service, but on the front row are Holly's mom and dad. This is Mark and Cheryl Van Duren. They went to our church for a number of years, and we just never met. I don't know. It was... The church was growing rapidly at the time, and it was multiple, multiple services. We never met, and they ended up moving to Texas. And their daughter, Holly, ended up going to Youth with a Mission um, at the same time that our Daniel went to Youth with a Mission. And our two families did not know each other. Daniel and Holly didn't know each other. We didn't know each other. And God brings Daniel and Holly together 
at Youth with a Mission, weaving a tapestry that is so incredible. You, you would have thought that while they're here, the two families would meet and the children would get to. He has to do it in a way that's just so improbable. Nothing is too improbable for God to move in your life and connect the dots together. Look at me. You're not too far gone. You're not too far away. You're not too old. You're not too stubborn. You're not too anything for God. He picks you. And I'm wondering, is there anybody here today who's ready to say, God, yes, I'll do it. I'll surrender fully. Or at least say, God, make me willing to surrender fully. What could happen in our hallway right now if you got this today and took off with this? God, the tapestry. How much more cooperation could we give God? How much more could he do in our story if we said, God, we get it? Maybe you've come to this place in your hallway right now just because God needs to move really strong on your behalf today. Maybe it helps give the perspective of why you're in the hallway so that God can do great on your behalf. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. God, I really, I honor you. My heart in this message, folks, listen, was to bring praise to God for how, how he's able to take all situations and do good. What the enemy intends for evil, God has intended it for good. There really is no battle against good and evil. God is big and the devil is little. God has won and the enemy of your soul has lost. God sits back today. Look, he's God and whether you get it or don't get it, He's still God. He's still good. He still moves. But that scripture in Romans that I read to you, all things work together for good to them that know and love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. If you cooperated with God today, if you fully surrendered today, Or at least if you said, God, make me willing to be willing. What could happen today? Maybe your situation is repulsive. And you think to yourself, that's the problem. If I could get out of the situation. And I would say to you, your way out is to recognize that God can use that situation to do good. Quit agreeing with the enemy of your soul on his perspective of your situation. Quit agreeing with people who don't know who you are and what God's called you to about your situation. Agree with me about what God said. He can use all things. And especially the things that the enemy has intended for evil. God can do good with it. God, I just thank you for weaving the tapestry that you're weaving and how much more it's going to go today. And I just want to speak to young people for just a moment.
I know sometimes you think your situation insignificant or there's so many things you want to go do. Please, please. God loves you and he knows you and he's got such great plans and purposes for your life. And if you would surrender at your age now, oh my goodness, like a rocket ship going past a covered wagon is what your life will look like compared to my life. Give yourself to the Lord now. And if you find yourself later in life, and you've even said those words, it's just too late. Or it's just impossible. My God makes a way where there seems to be no way. He looks for people who are willing. Willing. So I invite you into the great surrender today. The exchange. Your plan for his plan. Your ability for his ability. Your strength for his strength. Give yourself fully to the Lord today. Quit fighting. Quit striving. Quit cursing. Give yourself fully to Him today. Believe that God can do good with all things. All things. If what I'm saying speaks to your heart and you just say, Pastor, it's not important what it is. Doesn't matter to me what your situation is. God knows it. And if you just say, Pastor, pray for me today. I hear you. I hear God right now. I want him to weave that tapestry with me. I don't care if you're young, old, whatever your situation is. You go, John, I hear you. I hear God today. Remember me when you pray. I want you just to slip your hand up right now. It's me. It's many of us. Many, many, many of us. You could put them back down. Father, that simple act of faith, that simple act of faith to raise a hand and say, me, me, remember me. God, touch me. God, help me. I even pray for people who wished that they would have had the courage to raise their hand. God knows your heart. I pray for people whose situation is so difficult they couldn't raise their hand. God knows where you're at. I pray that God will do good. I pray that you'll be shocked and amazed when you turn to him and go, God, I surrender it all to you. Here I am. You can have it all. Watch what God will do. He takes what was meant for evil and he does good. He's a specialist in that. God, weave your tapestry. We just want to be a part of it. We just want to be a part of it. God, thank you for hearing our prayers today. Thank you for changing our heart today. God, thank you for encouraging us today and bringing about faith. I thank you and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.